This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network. Hello and welcome to episode five of our 17-team preseason preview uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to do the Dolphins today. It is Mark here with Ryan and Stu again. Boys, uh, we're definitely not recording this podcast immediately after the last one. Uh, it's on a completely different time and day. So no one give any clues away about the time and date that we're recording this on. And uh, guys, the Dolphins... Uh, not very fantasy relevant, but we're going to, um, you know, we're just going to have a look and see what happens here. So they've actually added a couple of really solid players who, you know, potentially could be fantasy relevant later. Obviously, Jake Averillo is going to come across. Herbie Farnworth's coming in. That's a really good addition. Uh, they've also added Tom Flegler from the Broncos. Uh, so, you know, I mean, they've got stuff. They've also got Marshall King, who's going to, you know, return from his injury. Ray Stone's going to come back from injury. Tom Gilbert. Uh, guys, that said, we've got them um, finishing the exact same spot as last year. And, Ryan, I, th- I feel like for me this is more reflection on how good they were at the start of the year than it is on, like, the back end where they were pretty poor. Yeah, there was a, it was a tale of two seasons uh, for the Dolphins, but uh, I think that's, like, that was part of somewhat of Bennett's plan. Like you get them up and playing well at the beginning of the year and then uh, the rest of the season's a free pass, basically. Um, mm. But no, I think you're right. They've recruited well. Uh, I think they're a team that's that's looks it's decent on paper. Like, you know, there's some talent on this team, but it's, it's hardly a uh, premiership threat. And, I mean, I think their upside is maybe pushing for a top eight spot. But, um, mm. yeah, it's... Uh, they're going to need some uh, some things to fall that way. Yeah, well, I mean, Stu, I was just having a look at uh, our consensus rankings to see if there's anybody I could push higher than the Dolphins, uh, like, or like as in that's higher than the Dolphins I could push. Like I could see them finishing above the Titans for sure, the Eels potentially, the Seagulls, Sharks. Um, you know, there's a few teams there that could really – you know, could really fall apart and, and they could sort of work their way up. But it's it's going to be tough sledding for them to get up there without the sort of the high-end talent. The, 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 be like the, the analogy is last year's the Raiders where they made it in by winning a lot of tight games, right? Yeah. And so yeah. they, by all other metrics, they shouldn't have been there, but they got there because they won a lot of tight games. So the Dolphins can certainly put together a season like that. Mm. And to be fair, last year, their season really started to wobble when they lost Sean O'Sullivan to run the game yep. for them, and they were playing an 18-year-old and a bunch of rejects in half. So yeah. oh, that's true. Uh, I guess with Sean O'Sullivan to run them around, and they've got a pretty mm. decent fallback, and if Kafusi can go more than two games without being suspended or cited, at least by the uh, judiciary, then they should be all right. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, I mean, I feel that maybe the best way to describe it might be that they signed a bunch of pretty good players in positions that aren't actually that important for winning a premiership. Is that is that a fair statement, Ryan? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's team it's positions that are uh, I think putting the building blocks in place for something in the future. Sure. But it's it's 100%. not gonna yeah it's not gonna push you over the edge this year, is it? 
No, and I mean they. The thing is with these guys is they've probably got a, a fairly sizable war chest there still, and they'll just be front loading contracts and mm. and making more money to have something available for the next you know the next Nathan Cleary that comes along that'll tip them over the top. But uh, yeah, the the backline's one that's really really interesting because they've got a bunch of guys here who can play different positions. Like if you look at the list here, we've got Jake Avarillo, Hamaso Tabuifadai, and Herbie Farnworth, who could all play center and could all play fullback plus Herbie and Hamaso could both play on the wing. So it's kind of really hard. It's a bit like the, the dolphin, not the dolphins, the bulldogs where it's really hard to sort of work out what lineup they're going to go to. And, you know, Ryan Hamaso uh, obviously was pretty good at fullback last year and, and not as much at center, but then, you know, like realistically he's the, the number one candidate to be on the wing here. Yeah, I mean, he fills that role, I, I guess. It's one of those ones where uh, he gets pushed around because of his versatility, I suppose, uh, Mr. Fix-It. Uh, I guess the only question, like, the question is, like, is that a, the best use of his talent? Um, no, nah. no, it's not. And I think the only real pathway for him to not be on the wing is if you and Aitken isn't in the team. Yeah. Which, you know, we spoke... Oh, in the Bulldogs episode, uh, which was definitely ages ago and not half an hour ago, about, uh, like, you know, veterans being potentially left out with, the you know, the case of Liam Knight and Sam Hughes where, you know, it could be a situation here where we're looking at this going, yeah, you and Aiken's definitely in the team, but, you know, they might be thinking, oh, well, you and Aiken, he's what, what he'd, be thir- he'd be 30-something now, uh, and they might be looking at, you know, Tessie New as the winger and you and Aikens, you know, playing left, right out. Aikens, 28, mate. Is he? Oh, man. Eight, yeah, he he's got 29 season this year. He feels like he's been around forever, eh? Yeah. Yeah. 20, uh, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, 28's not that young. Uh, and also, I mean, I'm saying that and I'm in my mid-30s. But... Um, you know, they've, they've got a lot of options there to, of guys to put in the back line. The other thing is maybe it's just that Jake Avarillo isn't in their first-choice team. Uh, yeah, potentially. He could uh, fill that utility role uh, maybe. Um, I mean, it's tough he to say. He could be the number six. Oh, man. Imagine. No, I, I'm just I'm just saying as, as far yeah. as it goes in there, it's like really the number six, you've got an 18-year-old who was put in last year because people were injured. Mm. Uh, and also because uh, the other options like uh, Nick Arima and Co just weren't necessarily up to scratch for a round yeah. one team, so you could you could put him there. Yeah, and they still got Edric Lee there as well, former oh. uh, State of Origin. Okay. I uh, think he's cooked. I'll be honest with you. Oh, me too. Um, <laughs> they've got also got in there. I was going to say we got Bostock there, testing you. Uh, they they got Tessie options. All we really a talent. Uh, it, unfulfilled talent. Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's there's plenty of them getting around. The only thing we really know for sure is Jermaine Osako is going to be the right winger. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Hamaso is going to be in the team somewhere, and Herbie's probably going to be left center. Yeah. Well, they could go so many ways. they got so many people. Like, well, the, could, the thing uh, is, Herbie. You could, could... With, you could end up with like, Cody Nicarima at center. Like, who the hell knows? Like, yeah. Well, Herbie could actually be a really good winger, I think, as well. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to take him further away from the ball. I think he was hoping he was going to play fullback. So, you know, the thing is, you got guys there. You got her- now you got Herbie and Hammer, 
who both have the ability to create and, um, you know, with their running game and, uh, and, and I mean, with the passing game a little bit for Herbie and then Avarillo who's got the passing game, which is why we've sort of loved him in the fullback. But it's going to be interesting to see how they, they roll out and, um, you know, how it all sort of structures together. Uh, the halves, we've got Isaiah Katoa and Sean O'Sullivan, but, I mean, they've got, once again, they've got a bunch of middling guys sitting around. But I, I really do think that they want to persist with Katoa now he's had uh, his opportunity to keep, you know, to play in first grade. I think, you know, that they, they, it's time to sort of keep him there unless they want to take him back to reserve grade and have him beat up on people to uh, to get some confidence. And Molly's putting on that size because a lot of those guys between sort of 18, he's not necessarily the biggest 5'8 running around. He's got a lot no. of talent. But if they're trying to prepare him to be a half, the last thing they need is him sort of at age 23 with, you know, two, like a whole bunch of busted body parts just as he's entering mm. sort of his physical prime. That's all. Yeah, and losing confidence. Mm. Yeah. And like you say, then it opens up the potential for Jake Avarillo to play 5'8", or, you know, Cody Nicarima, Anthony Milford, there's guys running around. So, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, Sean O'Sullivan's a really interesting option from a draft perspective. Not so much, I think, for a... Uh, a classic perspective, although I have seen a few people with him in their team, but I just wonder if maybe that's a a function of people sort of not really, uh, not really sort of understanding uh, his uh, potential, I guess maybe, or, or maybe overestimating it. Just looking here, uh, he played six games with Isaiah Katoa last year uh, at an average of forty-seven. Um, but that was with two goals, which I assume he won't be kicking them. So, you know, call it 40. It was 47 and a half. Let's, you know, let's let's call it about that. Um, and I assume with Nicarima it was less. Uh, with Nicarima it was 37 and a half. So, um, yeah, you really would want if he's, you know, he's kind of volatile, even in draft, then, you know, depending on who the halves partner is, it's a 10-point swing in the average. So, and there was two tries in that 37 and a half as well. Big concerns. Mm. Yep. Yep. I just I think it's just safe to avoid him. There's so many halves options there that I sort of wouldn't be going into him. Now, the forward pack's where it gets really interesting. Maybe not as much from a fantasy perspective, although trying to work out the minutes here is, you know, is a, you know, a bit of a Rubik's Cube. So the middle forwards, they now have Jesse Bromwich, Tom Flegler, Tom Gilbert. And then they have Jared Wallace, Mark Nichols, Kenny Bromwich, Ray Stone. Uh, they've got Josh Kerr. They've got um, Mason Teague. So, I mean, there's a lot of options there. Mason Teague, obviously, I'm not expecting him to be there. And, and Josh Kerr was flat out making the Dragons team. So I'm certainly not smushing him into the team, although there's been some comments about him starting at prop. But I really think that's just a pre-season, you know, he was asked what he wants and, you know, like they do, their positive mindset trying to come up with the best result for them. Um, but, I mean, uh, you know, Kafusi's not getting any younger and the two Bromiches aren't getting any younger. Mark Nichols as well. Even Jared Wallace, I think, is sneakily a bit old. Uh, so, you know, all of that really says that uh, Tom Flegler is probably going to go back to his 55 to 60-minute middle role and be a strong draft option and be pushing for a Maroon jersey come May, but Stu, probably not a fantasy option. Flagler, 37. Uh, 
it, it is a bit hard to pick him. He was underutilized at the Broncos, but I don't know. I owned him, you know, when he was playing lock for a little while. I want to say you weren't, you weren't even listening to me bloody talk then, mate. I was asking you about Tom Gilbert. That's how disinterested you are. <laughs> that's strike. Sorry, that's strike, strike you just one. had Tom. You just had strike Tom. One. He wasn't even listening. I did, I did just say, Tom, I, I'm thinking you must be talking about Flegler, <laughs> mate, because uh, Origin coming to the time. Sorry, mate. They're both, they sound the same no, to that's me. That's right. No, you're right. That's okay. Uh, okay. That's right. Looking, uh, Gilbert, it's, I was kind of slightly interested in Flegger at 513. Gilbert at 653. He does have the DPP, but at 47, I'm not sure how many more he gets, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I've, I've, yeah. what we're talking I, I, about I shoulder reconstruction? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some sort of, yeah, I think it was a shoulder injury. Yeah. So, look, in his games over 50 minutes, that I'm looking here where he plays in the middle. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not seeing a huge amount of value there at all. No, I agree. I think he, he would need to be pushing the 65 to 70 minutes, which I just really sort of don't think is there. Uh, but, I mean, you do – you mentioned Flegler, and I'll, I'll let you go on with it, seeing as you were so interested in talking about him. Uh, Ryan <laughs> and I actually were sort of discussing him off air, and, and, and he's pretty highly owned, although – I'm not really understanding why that is, uh, being that he only uh, played over very low 50s minutes once last year and only got a, like a mid 40 score out of that. Yeah, well, like, remember last year is playing with the rest of the forward pack. There was all big minute boys. So Payne Haas, you're not cutting his minutes to give Tom Flegel more. You're not cutting Paddy Carrigan's one. So out of the starting guys, he's the guy to give way and playing more of an impact role. But in this pack here, you're looking at the rest of the squad, they're almost all over 30, 31, 32. And, mm. you know, uh, Mitch is big on the sort of the age brackets here where they sort of hit that peak physical form around 26. Oh, sure. So, and like, I mean, if you're looking at it here, right, you know, like so we got – so we have Tom Gilbert, 55 minutes, which I actually think might be unders a little bit. Mm. Um, and then – uh, Jesse Bromwich, Nick, Mark Nichols, Kenny Bromwich, and Jared Wallace all playing about 30 minutes a game each and Ray Stone playing about 25 minutes. So the problem is is that that only, like, even if you're running Marshall King not for 80, which he was playing 80, and Lemuelu, like, sniping some Lemu- minutes from Lemuelu or whoever's on that that other edge or, or from Kafusi, you're still only left with 45 to 50 minutes for Flegler, which, you know, just to be... To be fair, he's only played 50 minutes in 18 games in his NRL career uh, across four seasons and only sort of four times a year on average. He actually played – so he played five games of, of at least 50 minutes last year uh, and averaged 53.6 minutes for 45.2 points, which is – I mean, that's pretty close to value, but even then, like that – that's how many minutes was that? How many minutes? Let's say 53. That's kind of re- really on the high end, I think, physically of what Flegler's actually capable of. And and even then, that's only eight points of value. So, I mean, if, yes. he's, if he's only playing 45 to 50 minutes, then he's, you know, up to five points of value and a, a big trap for managers. That's it. So it's one of those ones where we, we want to see that team composition. I guess what we're seeing there is that around that midpoint value there, there's potential for value, but it's around that composition. So if they're running three middle forwards plus a utility, 
right? There's probably not much value there. If they run, you know, an outside back utility and a couple of middle forwards, then we start to see a pathway for Flegler to get some more minutes, right? Mm. Now, the, for just for me personally, the only way that I would be interested in Flegler is if Tom Gilbert is named on the edge in round one. Okay. And 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 they use Flegler as the big minute middle. That's the only way that I would be interested. At 13 or something, or just as a yeah. Pop. Just what what doesn't matter if he's got eight or a thirteen on his back. That that sort of doesn't worry me too much. Obviously, the lock number would be a more of a sign that he's going to play bigger minutes. But I definitely would want to see Gilbert named on the edge, and and then you know they basically just drop Lemuel out of the team completely at that point, and and run you know run that, and then you know they or they have someone who can play. Mind you, Kenny Bromwich maybe plays. He comes off the bench and plays on the edge or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that, that's what I'd need to see to to bring me, you know, even to thinking about Flegler. Uh, Ryan, what, you've been sort of quiet for a while now. Where, where was your... Yeah, no, look, I, I tend to agree. Like, it's... Um, it, he's just one of those ones where, like, you need things to fall right for... Like, it, there's no real margin for error here with Flegler. Um, just mm. you'd either need to have him playing in those low to mid 50s minutes or we need to see something new from it like we need to see his ppm get cleaned up um he is prone to errors and the occasional hot-headed move um so yeah one of those two things has to change and uh, i'm not too Mm -hmm. sure we're gonna get either yeah no exactly right yeah i mean i'd like to see it i'd like to see another uh you know big minute uh you know queensland state of origin hero forward in the NRL, um, you know, always good. The big thing is, though, you know, in this 53-minute sample, 44 points, which is would make it a seven average, there's no tries at all in that 18-game sample. So, you know, he gets a bit of try luck. He does have a game here with 10 tackle busts. So he obviously has it in his repertoire there somewhere. But as you say, what he needs to clean up is the five sin bins in 18 games. Yes. <laughs> Loves it. That is actually, I didn't actually see that until just now. He's <laughs> losing one, 1. 1.4 points per game on average in that sample size from Sinbins. And probably another two to three points due to reduced minutes. Well, no, I think sometimes that actually push, pushes the minutes up because they get a 15-minute break and they come back, or has 10-minute break, 10-minute Sinbin. Um, they get a 10-minute break and they come back fresh as a daisy and pump out a couple of extra minutes. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to know what the percentages of sin bins. It's twenty eight percent of his games in this sample size where he got sin binned. That's <laughs> that's enormous. <laughs> that is James Maloney peak James Maloney level numbers. I'm curious now what his percentage of sin bin is where he plays less minutes because I reckon it's way less. <laughs> so sin bins are the key to him getting big minutes. Maybe he's yeah, figured that out yeah. too. So when he when he starts in the front row and plays less than fifty minutes, zero sin bins. When he starts in the front row and plays at least fifty minutes, five sin bins in eighteen games. <laughs> that is impressive. That's incredible. Yeah. So if we took okay, so we let's say we give him fifty five minutes and he doesn't lose one point four points per game on average from sin bins. That pushes him to 45 and a bit 
and then you know there's some upside there to you know 40 yeah that's pretty close yeah okay and so and you see the games i started trying to filter games with or without Haas. it didn't really make much of a difference but games without paddy carrigan uh his minutes were way up right so he's uh averaging 51.4 minutes for the broncos uh, for a, it looks like a 43 average, but there were, I think there was one game, yeah, one game where he got a ton of demerits, probably a Simbin game. I imagine he killed someone. Yeah, well, I, I'm looking at this 18-game sample here, and the average demerits is 7.2. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in double figures of demerits. Yeesh. Well, hope, hopefully he can clean it up. I, I imagine Uncle Wayne's not keen on Simbins. <laughs> He's got Kafusi in his team. You imagine Kafusi and Tom Flegler <laughs> playing in the same team. Mm. My God. Yeah. Imagine being the opposition half. <laughs> yeah. They give him the old, they may as well give him the old uh, Chad Townsend on Kalen Ponga treatment at that point. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, saw that the other day. Classic. Yeah. All right. Who, who, who's next? All right. Well, well, I even finished talking about these sin bins, mate. This, uh, this, is the, oh. this is the gear. People love this shit. No, nah, all right. What's next is Jeremy Marshall King. Jeremy Marshall King actually was pretty solid last year. Um, had a number of games where he got injured or like was sort of playing through injury. Um, but I mean, he in the fifteen games, forty-seven point three average in an average of seventy-four minutes. But you can tell here there's two games here where he, he sort of only played the forty minutes, which you know where he succumbed to that shoulder. If you Take the shoulder injury games out. It's a 49 average. Actually, no, there's a 45 down there. I've got to make that. Hang on. But you take the two shoulder games out. It's a 51.3 average, and he played 80 minutes in all but two games, and it was the first two games of the year. So, it, I mean, if he was to play, maybe he is the hooker option outside of Reese Robson. And, you know, like we spoke about Reed Marnie on our last episode, which was ages ago and definitely not like half an hour ago. Um, when we spoke about him, you know, uh, I, I, the only reason I'm really looking at dudes like Reed Marnie and, um, you know, a couple of these other guys is because I don't feel that there's another option there, but maybe Jeremy Marshall King's, a, you know, a fringe keeper with some value that you could sort of, you know, him and Reese Robson can, can tag team through the, the buys uh, with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think Marshall King is, yeah, he's going to be available in the two. He's going to say so he's going to be available in round 13. Uh, if Robson's named for origin, he's also going to be available in 16, 17, 19, and 20. Jeez, Louise. Mm. It's a long way out to be by planning for a hooker with no, a shoulder issue, but... He, there is certainly some value there, and I'm having a look at these base stats here. It's all base stats. There yeah, is a great total it. of two tries in his 50-minute games, so we're not he's not killing it here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, rock solid. For me, the strategy could be, like, Robson doesn't have a buy up until uh, Origin begins. Like, if, if Robson gets – like, you could run uh, Marshall King and Robson – um, all the way up until Origin begins. And then you could potentially sell Reese Robson if Marshall King's going well when um, Origin kicks off. Um, yeah. And he's in the side. Like, that, uh, to me, that seems like a viable strategy, especially with uh, Marshall King having that round three buy. Like, having Robson there immediately gives you cover. 
um, and you don't have to worry about Robson missing any games to start the uh, first for the first twelve rounds uh, as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, exactly. We might be onto something here, boys. Hmm. We might get a dolphin. In, we might squeeze a dolphin into our team after all. Hey, let's go. <laughs> and the yeah, it's only the first minor buy that he's he's missing for, and obviously round three. So yeah, it's. I think he should go all right. We probably just want to make sure that his shoulders all right. So um, we might have a look into uh, before we give him the full sell to see, see what they've done about that. Like, have they done the Latage or something like that to make sure he's good to go for next year? Because he's so making. I think they just, they just got some duct tape on there. <laughs> <laughs> Fixes yeah. all. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think I think we can get that. I, I reckon we can get that info before the end of the podcast. Working on. Um, yeah, all right. Um, then obviously on the bench, you know, we're looking at some combination of whichever forward doesn't start. We assume it's going to be – so right now our uh, we've got uh, Tom Flegler, Jesse Bromwich, Tom Gilbert as the three middles, Felice Cafuzzi, Connolly Lemuelu on the edges, Jeremy Marshall King at hooker, which pushes Mark Nichols, Jared Wallace, Kenny Bromwich and Ray Stone as the bench. Um, obviously they could very well use Nick Arima as the utility and, and – lose one of these guys. All of them were sort of fairly solid last year. In my mind, Connolly Lemuelo seems to be the sort of odd one out, although he was one of their main attacking weapons last year. But, I mean, Jesse Bromwich is on his last legs. Kenny Bromwich can't be far behind him. So, you know, maybe it's Ray Stone on an edge. I, I, like, who knows, Ryan? I, I, I sort of don't have a good sense of this team specifically. <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, I mean, it's the uh, the issue when you've got so many guys that can play multiple positions. Like, I mean, we, you spoke about Tom Gilbert on an edge earlier. Um, yeah, it could go mm. any any number of ways. I mean, they were using Kenny Bromwich pretty exclusively in the middle when uh, they didn't have to use him on an edge um, in the second half of the season. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'll go that way again. I'm just really looking forward to Jeremiah Nanai not having to be in our origin team. That's <laughs> man, just that Tom the Tom Gilbert David for feeder edge combination just makes me so much happier. And us not having to play Ruben Cotter on an edge. Like just yeah, that's gonna be way better. I think. For sure. Certainly seems more dangerous. Oh, it just means it's not as leaky defensively. That that. Game three, Nanai just got absolutely shredded. Nanai and DCE. I can't think of a, a worse combination of two players to try and defend together. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I've got the information on Marshall King. Uh, yep. So he had a labral tear, which is cartilage in the shoulder there. So uh, he's had the surgery on it three to five months. So mm-hmm. he should be uh, should have a full preseason under his belt, pretty much the full preseason from about uh, last month. Uh, yeah. Onwards. So he should be fit and firing for round one. No issues. Yeah, it looks like so it looks like he stung it the first time in uh in round six uh, and then played through it, but had some issues with it in round eight, round fourteen, round twenty one. So he was obviously not playing at full fitness and still cranked out a, a fifty plus average. So maybe there's some unseen upside here as well in terms of um, you know, if he is gonna be uh you know, fully fit and able to make those tackles. And, and I mean, he seemed really sort of strong and, and Bennett seems to really like him, uh, which is, you know, usually a good sign. Sure. And well, look, this is the same injury that's uh, put, uh, what's his name at a commission? Uh, Marnie. Uh, L- Luai at a commission. So mm-hmm. near the finals and he played through this with a couple of months, not, not just a couple of games. So yeah. And he's yeah. making 40 plus tackles a game. So yeah. So he's tough. And hopefully he'll be fully fit. Yep, I, I'm 
I'm becoming more keen. Certainly, yeah, I feel I'd... safer with him than with Marnie, which is oh, hundred percent Marnie yeah. and a geez, I feel unhappy about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference in the price point. We're talking about seventy k, but the, the the one other thing that I want to leave you guys with, just of interest, is uh, the base stats. So twenty eighteen. So this is the hooker base stats. Uh, twenty eighteen, I only played one game at hooker, but fifty one points in base. Twenty nineteen, seven games at hooker, fifty one points in base. Twenty twenty, sorry, twenty twenty, seven games at hooker. This is eighty minute games, um, not not injury affected games. Uh, 52 points in base, 2021, 51 points in base, two games, 2022, 49 points in base, which is a bit of a low, like sort of two points down. But then 2023, he went all the way down to 46 points in base. Demerits went up, uh, which I think is probably a function of that shoulder not working properly. Mm-hmm. So there, there's potentially even some additional, you know, three or four points of upside there. And he could be closer to 55 than than we would we would think if, if it all sort of comes together with those... Uh, you know, he keeps the attacking involvement and the quality of the play there, but, you know, boosts the base by that you know, three or four points. I like it. In he comes. Get him in. In he comes. Batter up. Oh, boys, just so you just so you know as well, is not out today in the cricket. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Rain <laughs> saved you or what? Abandoned. Yeah, oh, no, the rain definitely, yeah, the match was abandoned and then the rain saved me. But, no, I came in. We are uh, 10 overs, 10 overs, Three for twenty-seven or something like that. My te- or twenty? No, three for twenty-three. It was when I went in. Uh, Pakistan-esque. Uh, oh man, I couldn't. Be- I couldn't believe the rate that we were scoring at. It was dreadful. So I came in, saw you know two the last two balls of this uh, pace over out, and then uh, you know ran a ran a quick single to get on strike the next over and hit two beautiful shots through the covers that would have gone all the way to the boundary had the uh, outfield not been soaking wet. Um, so I had to run two twos in a row, which was the full capacity of my aerobic fitness. Um, <laughs> so but, four uh, not out. Yeah, so four four not out off six balls or something like that. And you um, top score. It's no, no. It's definitely helped my. It's drastically helped my average. <laughs> Doubled it. Yeah, no, I've got, I got a, te- I got a double digit. I got a, ten- I got a couple of tens in there. Okay, so, but, but I did, I did, I did get the average up. So Lovely. the last the last time I played this team, I batted twice and got a cumulative four runs. So I'll take a I'll take a four not out. It's a big improvement. Yeah, exactly right. All right, cool. That'll do us for the Dolphins. I don't think there's anything to look at at the bench. There's no sort of clear uh, cashies that are coming up or anything like that. The closest thing to a cashie would be like if Robert Jennings takes that wing spot, but. I mean, I think we're a fair way away from that. So uh, that'll probably do us. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. And for everybody here at the Amateurs, uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Fins up. Love you guys. This show was brought to you by a good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code Amateurs on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.